Hello, and welcome to the ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Time Timer. The Time Timer is an award-winning visual timer that's helped millions of people with ADHD. As time passes, Time Timer's red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com to start improving focus today. I am your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Dr. Roberto Olivardia, and we're going to talk about having ADHD and having a child with ADHD and dyslexia. So Roberto, tell me a bit about your own experience with ADHD. What were your symptoms and how did you cope? Sure. So I was officially diagnosed with ADHD in my early 30s. So this mm-hmm. is coming from, you know, being in grad school, getting mm-hmm. a PhD in clinical psychology and mm-hmm. learning about ADHD in one class and thinking, oh, well, I'm not in jail and I didn't drop out of high school and so that's not, but always was a very high energy individual. So mm-hmm. as a kid, uh, definitely hyperactive, can be quite impulsive, um, v- had a love for mischief. Um, I call them shenanigans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and was it, school was very tiring for me. It was very, very difficult for me to pay attention and focus. Like, I mean, now as I as I see my kids grow in school, thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Like, just when my son comes home, he's in high school now, and he says, "Oh, I had a great day." And I thought, I don't think I ever said that in high school. I wow. came home, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until college that I honestly felt like I was a student, mm-hmm. um, and I did decently in school. It's not that I did poorly, but it was everything was last minute. Um, I hardly read any of the books that were assigned. I just did the bare minimum to sort of get by. I didn't go to a particularly rigor. I went to a public school. It wasn't a particularly rigorous one. So I mm-hmm. think if I were in a different environment, it could have been a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely a kid that craved and still crave as an adult stimulation. Do others in your family have ADHD? Yes. So my my mother, who is 85, uh, definitely has ADHD. I mean, she's never been diagnosed, but um, you can sit with her for 10 minutes and (laughs) you would know that she has ADHD. Um, So definitely my mother, I'm the youngest of three kids and I have an Mm -hmm. older brother who has ADHD and he's more, uh, I would say the inattentive type. When Mm -hmm. he was younger, very young, he was definitely the hyperactive type, Mm -hmm. but it attenuated. And my sister's in the middle and we say she has a touch of it. My cousin said, oh yeah, in Portuguese, they would say the whole family's electrico, you know, we're all electric. Um, (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's a code name for ADHD. Um, and I have uh, two children, and my son uh, is has ADHD. And it's interesting seeing him grow up with ADHD and seeing some things that are exactly the same mm-hmm. as what I experienced, and then some things that are totally different, mm-hmm. namely that he's growing up with the internet. If I grew up with the internet, it would... I, I don't even know if I would be sitting here right now. It would have wow. totally derailed me. I mean, so it's interesting to to parent with that, mm-hmm. and I have obviously a, I can connect to my son's experience, and at the same time, I also understand he's his own unique person. He's mm-hmm. his own individual, growing up in a different time than I ha- am, and with all the knowledge I have about ADHD, it doesn't mean I don't have my challenges. <laughs> you mentioned that your son is diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. 
dyslexia. Yes. And how do you think ADHD has affected your role as a dad mm. with, with your son? Yeah, it's, you know, I, when my son was born, I have always wanted to be a father. So when he came into the world, it was just, I don't know, it's just this amazing, amazing experience. And interestingly, on one hand, and as far as my own ADHD, you know, I used to refer to about him to my wife as like my little Ritalin because everything, he came first. And so when a baby cries, you just respond. Like you have to change the diaper, you have to feed, you have to hug, you have to, and there's no second guessing it. There's no procrastinating, loving your kid. And so in a lot of ways, life just the boundaries and structure of life for me came together in in a really solid way with with my children because they're my priority and in that way it was really really helpful what where it was difficult were those things that didn't have to do with them you know like paying the bills and those kind of things which i always had issues with procrastination but mm -hmm. now it was like even more so because i had less time on my hands i think as far as his own adhd i think because i'm so i, I was i'm so aware of the negative messaging that's out there and mm -hmm. Thankfully, I mean, I credit my parents for a lot because I I really didn't get a lot of that negative um, messaging. I don't think my dad always understood where I was coming from. I mean, he was a teacher, and I distinctly remember in third grade writing an essay on Athena, the goddess of wisdom, and I couldn't write it. And my brother had a Queen cassette tape, and it had another one, Bites the Dust, that song on it. And that bass line, the do do, do. I was like, ooh, and I played that and I started typing them. And my dad said, no, you can't listen to music while you're writing something that's going to, you know, distract you. And I said, all I know is I've been looking at a blank piece of paper for hours. I mean, this was, I mean, in third grade, it was torture. Um, I said, and I put on the music and I can, you know, type. And he said, well, you know, let me, I'll come back up and see and see how you do. And that was huge. I mean, I didn't realize then how huge it was, but looking back thinking, oh my gosh, like he could have said, no, we are shutting off the music right now because right. he didn't operate that way. Mm -hmm. He was someone who needed total silence. And, and that was like one of many things that I tried to do for my son because even you know and there are times that I'm like no you can't I mean it doesn't mean that I'm not saying some of those things sometimes to, mm -hmm. to my son but I am always am encouraging a dialogue I want him to also express and let me know like I don't know it all all the time you know just I'm a dad first and you know I might know a lot about ADHD but he's again his own individual and trying to help him sort of navigate you know these things in the world and then he's also dealing with dyslexia yes mm -hmm. so dyslexia is um, so it's a language-based learning disability that uh, typically involves Involves, uh, things like reading and spelling. And what's fascinating is, so we know that 50 to 60% of people with ADHD have a learning disability. And I had trouble reading when I was young, but it was never severe enough. But um, I hated reading. It was a struggle. However, and I don't know if this is a compensating factor or just part of how my brain, but I'm one of my strengths is that I can take bits of information and synthesize the big picture pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I would 
And I didn't know whether to think of this as, am I conning people or is this a skill or a good thing? Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't read the book. I would read like a page here, a page there, a page Mm -hmm. there. But I would talk about it the most in the class where Mm -hmm. I looked like I understood it. And in some ways, I kind of did. I got the main points of it. Mm -hmm. With my son, when he was in kindergarten, the teacher said, he sees the word the, and then two minutes later, it's like as if it's a new word. And I thought, oh, here we go. Now, interestingly, I thought my daughter was going to be dyslexic because she was a very late talker, Mm -hmm. which is not uncommon in people with dyslexia. And so I was all ready to have the full neuropsych once she turned six. When my son turned six, I said, well, we know the ADHD is there. So let's just test it just for services. And I have to tell you, I was shocked that he had what's called a double deficit dyslexia, one of the most severe forms of dyslexia. I was shocked. And it turns out the picture books that we would have, you know, that we would read, Mm -hmm. he memorized them all. He has an amazing memory for those kind of Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And I thought... Oh my gosh, did he, like, I had... I really didn't have much of a clue. And this is, and this is again, coming from someone who knows a lot about these topics and these subjects. So I, my heart goes out to parents who say to me, they feel so guilty because they didn't see the signs. And I, and I think you, how would you know? Like, I, I know what this is. And I was still, I mean, at least I knew to get him tested because right. I know the genetics and stuff. Lots of people who don't know that information, you don't know what you don't know. So he was basically a non-reader and so every summer, he's now in high school, now in ninth grade, and he is um, basically at grade level now. Um, okay. But it is with a lot of work on his part, first mm-hmm. and foremost, he is a hero of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single summer of his life, he has had to have some summer programming, summer school okay. tutors, mm-hmm. because that regression that everybody has with reading, it's much more so with people with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And he has to always fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Many IEP meetings where um, I credit the, the town I live in is the, the school's been very good to him and they have good services. However, I also recognize my the privileged role that I come in mm-hmm. being a clinical psychologist. Right. I have a PhD. I had a colleague of mine who's an excellent neuropsych person write the best neuropsych report. Mm-hmm. I can afford the neuropsych testing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot that people don't understand that parents have to contend with when you have a child with a learning disability. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were many IEP meetings that my wife came out and and I came out like with tears in our eyes thinking, oh my gosh, like we have to kind of, we had to advocate and work and it was all worth it. And then after the meeting, we'd come home with a copy of the IEP and my wife and I, we'd have a cup of coffee and for the next three hours would be reading this IEP report. Mm -hmm. And I think, how does like a single parent, like there's so much wrapped up, you know, in that, that the town you live in and the school you live in, you don't always get that. Um, But every year is still a challenge. We're not out of the woods yet Mm -hmm. because all the remediation around the reading Mm -hmm. and something that we now have to work at with the writing. And it's been a journey. I mean, he's had neuropsych testing every three years. He's a very agreeable kid and I think part of it is you know when he was diagnosed we told him this is what it is I got every book on Amazon that mm-hmm. was directed to kids mm-hmm. about dyslexia what are the interventions that work the best for children with ADHD with dyslexia so when you have both which is very common I mean in in the dyslexia um, community I think um, 
you know, studies will show anywhere from 20 to 30% have ADHD. I think it's probably higher. Um, I think there has to be more work in that community. I've spoken yes. at their conferences about ADHD, and it's one of those things where afterwards people are like, oh, I didn't know that's what ADHD was. You know, I had just assumed it's the kid that's bouncing off the wall. So <laughs> we still have our work to do in, in educating people of all different communities. But when you have both, one is to make sure you're getting a proper assessment. And part of it is that sometimes uh, parents will tell you that they're they've had difficulty getting the right services for the learning disability because the school might say, well, it's their ADHD that's getting in the way. And certainly, if you have ADHD, um, you can have trouble reading. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between being able to actually decode a word, which is not ADHD, and not being attentive to what you're reading. But if you were slowed down and you said, okay, can you read these words? They can do it. Mm -hmm. That's something different. With ADHD, all the standard, you know, kind of treatments that we have, everything from behavioral therapy, medication, executive coaching. With dyslexia, however, it is very um, empirically derived remediation. Mm -hmm. So programs such as Wilson, they call it the Wilson Reading Program, Orton Gillingham, mm -hmm. Linda Mood Bell. These are empirically derived uh, programs that remediate dyslexia and are not things that can be done one hour a week. Right. Um, my son needed, he, thankfully in my town, we have a language-based learning disabilities classroom, mm -hmm. but there are lots of other kids out there that, you know, unfortunately parents are told, oh, they'll catch up with their reading, and then the kid's in seventh grade and they're at a third grade reading level and they think, how did this happen? So you need we need to advocate for those kids to get those services. Doing just more reading doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's like you saying, I can't understand Chinese and I'll just talk to you more in Chinese and that's not going to do anything right. um, for you. So you need that kind of specialized instruction. What advice would you give families um, to support their kids with ADHD and to communicate positively about ADHD and dyslexia? Yes, I think it's so important and I you know I totally understand when parents they come in and they'll say oh you know or I'll speak about this they say I just don't want my kid to feel different mm -hmm. and I tell them they are different mm -hmm. but different doesn't have to be bad it doesn't have to be defective and we need to teach them that mm -hmm. and two is that they already do feel different mm -hmm. like when you when my son couldn't read at all I mean in first grade like mm -hmm. you don't think it's going to be a parent that's not a parent to him so if you, I didn't give him the context if my wife and I didn't give him the context to that where is he going to go I'm dumb I'm stupid I mean that's where it goes I mean right. there's so many self-esteem issues that can come around with with having as ADHD as we know, mm -hmm. as well as something like with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So I tell parents, we have to use the, the, the D word is not a dirty word. Dyslexias, we can say, and you can break it down to whatever age they're at. Um, again, go on Amazon. I just bought every book. There were like five or six really good ones that were written to kids who are six, seven years old that mm -hmm. talk about it. Um, let them know, and this is what I did with my son. I told him, I said, there are a lot of people that don't know what this is. They don't understand it. There are some people that think they know what it is, because many people still think dyslexia is reading words backwards, right. <laughs> which yeah. is not at all what Transposing it is. Transposing numbers. <laughs> it, it, exactly. It's like, it's really around the brain's 
inability really mm-hmm. to automatically map mm-hmm. a sound with a letter. Mm-hmm. So when we see the word B, mm-hmm. our most people's brains think B. It's just automatic like mm-hmm. that. For a dyslexic person, it is not that automaticity is mm-hmm. not there. Mm-hmm. So they could be like, is it B? Is it duh? Is it mm-hmm. you know? And then with segmentation of words. So if you have a word like teacher, most brains would see it as teach. Mm-hmm. as the syllable break, mm-hmm. whereas a dyslexic person doesn't have that natural break. So they might see teak her, mm-hmm. and now it's teaker. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different word. And I still do this, you know, letting him know and letting my son know that a lot of people don't understand this. And then I said to him, I said, some people are going to think you're not smart because of this, because in our society, our culture, people assume good readers are smart people. I said, but that's, that's not the case. Um, is it, we know you're very bright um, and that reading doesn't have to do with that. And then there are going to be some people that are surprised by it. They don't mean to be mean, but they're going to be like, what do you mean you can't read that? So I role-played with him and I said, like, what would, what would we say if someone said, oh my God, you're stupid. You don't know how to read. And this might sound like harsh, but let me tell you, these kids will hear this. If they don't, if it's shown that they are in the special classroom, right. they're getting pulled out for services. Right. I believe you me, they are going to hear this, mm-hmm. and you want to arm them with this, this this information. A very proud moment is I picked him up from school and. He came running out and he said, oh, dad, dad, he said, we were in music class and we had to sing the song and I, I couldn't read any of the words. And I asked a girl if I can just sit next to her while she read the words. And she said, why? And he said, oh, because I can't read any of the words. And she said, what? Like, what do you mean you can't read the words? And he says, and I don't think she was really being mean, like you said, like she just didn't understand it. And he said, oh, I have this thing called dyslexia. Three of the sharks on Shark Tank have it. And it just means my brain just has a hard time. I'm kind of reading certain words, but it doesn't mean I'm, you know, not smart. And she went, oh, okay. And then she, and that was it. And that again is like that moment, like with my dad, you know, in the Athena essay, it's like that could have been the beginning of something bad right. if he didn't have that and think, oh, what's wrong with me that I can't read those words? Oh my gosh, maybe I'm kind of stupid or maybe. So talk to your kids. And I say the same with ADHD, you know, which I find that now parents are much more comfortable talking with their kids about it. Um, But again, in talking about ADHD is helping them understand all of the things about ADHD, you know, that it's, um, yes, our brain for hyperactive people, their brains might go fast, but also the executive functioning piece, because that's the piece I find is still... I think parents have a hard time talking to their kids about um, because, and I don't blame parents for this all the time because they could be frustrated themselves by those executive issues when they have to wake their kid up because their kid has poor time management skills and, and whatnot. So we're dealing with our own emotions around it and we're trying to educate them to say, this is part of your ADHD. It doesn't mean though that you're excused from managing time. You're, you're still responsible for this. However, let's understand it first. And, you know, again, we don't want the shame part right, around shame-free it. Shame-free ADHD. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. I think so many parents are going to find this very helpful. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. 
This podcast was sponsored by Time Timer. Invented by a mom 25 years ago, Time Timer visual timers are clinically proven to increase self-regulation. See time as it elapses and increase your focus and productivity. Available in various durations, sizes, and colors, Time Timer will help you get through the big tasks. Find the Time Timer for you, and for a limited time, use code CHAD for 20% off at timetimer.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD 365. Stay up to date on the latest ADHD information by connecting to Chad's social media page at chad.org social.